This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Alley. Our guest this week is South Dakota U.S. Representative Christy Nome. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Bayer recognizes the vital role bees play in our agriculture system as well as the beauty and productivity of our urban landscapes and gardens. The Bayer Bee Care Program has been working for the care and protection of honeybee health for nearly 30 years. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Congresswoman Christy Nome next. Let's feed the bees. Bees pollinate many fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Today, they're facing a food shortage of their own and need better access to pollen and nectar sources. Help the Feed a Bee Initiative plant wildflowers in all 50 states to feed bees and other pollinators. Because feeding bees helps us all. Get involved by sharing a bee to feed a bee. For every use of the bee emoji and the hashtag feed a bee, Bayer will plant wildflowers on your behalf. Join us at feedabee.com and on social with hashtag feedabee. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Agriculture is South Dakota's top industry. Representative Christy Nome says her state's economy suffers when farmers struggle. We need to see prices rebound, whether it's on livestock or commodity um, crops. We just, uh, you know, have seen a a dramatic decrease in average farm income across the state, and uh, we need to make sure that we can do all that we can to get people back up on their feet and being successful. You know, it's our number one industry in the state of South Dakota, and so it has a trickle-down effect on all other small businesses and families and even the state budget. So we're we're looking forward to having a good crop this year and then seeing the markets rebound and seeing what I can do out here in Congress with, with my fellow colleagues in opening up new markets through trade agreements and working to make sure that we have less burdens through the tax code that really hinders their ability to grow and reinvest in their operations. How do you see the Trump budget, especially now, calling for cuts in crop insurance, conservation, and other areas that farmers have depended on? Well, you know, obviously I, I disagree with that, um, those levels and the cuts that are reflected in the president's budget, but we need to historically look back at other president's budgets and know that they've made reductions in agriculture too, and we need to continue to advocate for the things that are critically important to keep that safety net out there for our producers. You know, I... Um, I see as we go forward, uh, you know, the, the principles on the Trump budget, I see that he's trying to balance our federal budget, that he deals with um, cutting our deficits, which is something President Obama never tried to do. But, but our job as members of Congress is to put together our appropriation bills that funds our priorities, and that needs to be our nation's food supply and providing a safety net for that. We can't afford to have a, natu- a natural disaster happen in this country and, and put farmers out of business so, to the point where we consolidate the industry to where a few entities can control it or we end up importing our food. If we end up importing our food, then that country we import from controls us. So one of the things I had a discussion with Sonny Perdue about the other day was how this is a national security issue, that we have a safety net in a farm bill that that maintains crop insurance to provide that kind of safety net that we need for agriculture. You mentioned trade, and certainly there's been more discussion with this Trump administration on trade than some presidents have in their first term. With regard to trade, how do you see the USDA reorganization, a new person to look at the trade agenda, but also a loss of a person in regard to leadership on rural development? Well, it's important to fill those undersecretary roles, and especially for trade and foreign affairs, and hopefully it'll be much more efficient. I visited with Sonny about 
about the Undersecretary of Rural Development, and he has told me that that's not going to, going to mean that there isn't focus in that area. He just wants everybody in the same room having conversations on a daily business, and he recognizes that trade has to be um, a priority, that if we want to open up new markets and create new markets for our commodities, that that has to be a focus that USDA has to fulfill as well. Um, I believe that we need to um, continue to look at the farm production and conservation as well, and, and that that area will oversee the Farm Service Agency, the Risk Management Agency, the NRCS, uh, and that's that's where he sees it coordinating together, but it does not mean that he's taking any focus away from rural development. We'll continue as well as members of Congress to continue to to push those areas that we think are important and need to be focused on when it comes to that USDA funding. Given $20 trillion in debt and even calls now to raise the debt ceiling into the summer before the August recess, it's obvious that the budget issues have to be addressed. But at the same time, are there not some things you can't afford not to do, per se, uh, again, crop insurance, scaling back the staff at the Department of Agriculture? Are there some things that just should be off limits? Well, this is one of the things that I talked about with Sonny. It, when he visited South Dakota and we spent the day together last week was, um, you know, crop insurance is a safety net for a very volatile industry. And, and crop insurance producers are paying money. They have skin in the game. And it's budgeted money uh, that comes from the federal government. And if we did not have crop insurance in that safety net, we would be in a situation where there would be a natural disaster somewhere in this country, a drought, a flood, or something where there was significant commodity losses where that that portion of the industry would be coming to Washington D.C. and asking for a disaster payment, some some kind of a payment to help them stay on their feet and get through that difficult time. And the federal government traditionally responds to those requests for disaster payments. So if you think back to hurricane hurricane situations or tornadoes that have hit different parts of the country, the federal government usually provides a disaster payment to individuals in those situations. And one of the things I told Sonny is those disaster payments are not budgeted. Uh, they're usually deficit spending and is not a great way to run a country that needs to deal with its debt. Crop insurance takes a completely different approach. It, it puts producers in the situation where they have skin in the game. They decide their coverage. Uh, it is budgeted for money, so it is planned on, and it's the responsible way to handle the kind of risk that we see in agriculture. And he understood that. His whole background is in agriculture as well. And he told me he would be an advocate for us to the president and the administration, and we're going to continue to have those conversations and make sure that our budget that comes out of the the House and the Senate and the funding and appropriation bills reflect our priorities and making sure that that stays intact. Still looking back at the 2014 Farm Bill, you were less than 10 votes from having a kind amendment that would have placed a means test on crop insurance, that would have put a payment cap on that, and uh, would have eliminated some portions that perhaps even now farmers depend on in the harvest price option as well. Well, we you have to think about the dynamics in the House of Representatives. It's very different than the Senate. In the Senate, you know, virtually every senator has ag in their district because they represent an entire state. That's not true in the House. In fact, out of the 435 members in the House, you know, less than 36 of them come from a rural area that understand agriculture or have it in their district. The rest of them are in urban areas. You know, they don't know why they need to care about a farm bill. They don't want to have to vote for a farm bill. They 
they think any money we can cut out of that is something they don't have to cut out of something that's in their backyard, and so that's why we have more of a battle over here on the House side. But we've been victorious in telling our story in the past, and we'll continue to do that. If you remember back in the 2014 Farm Bill discussion, uh, I had to fight my own leadership pretty hard to get us a Farm Bill done that really reflected what we needed as far as safety nets for commodity and livestock and and conservation programs as well. So we're going to continue to tell that story and educate those members on why a farm bill is important and get one that is out there meeting the needs of all of our producers, but also every single person every day that wants to have fresh, safe, affordable food on their plate. You've been a champion for agriculture, serving not only your state but the nation, and it's obvious in the news that you're looking for a new job title. So while you hold this title of representing uh, your state uh, in the House of Representatives, are there particular goals that you specifically want to accomplish before you leave? Oh, absolutely. You know, I when I came to Congress, it was it was to make sure that we were dealing with our, our country's debt and deficit problem, but maintaining a strong farm bill. I want to do tax reform. I want to repeal the death tax, which is something that is a huge hindrance on agriculture, uh, and make sure that we don't have that double tax or unfair tax still in the code. Um, you know, we're reforming health care as well and focusing on that. So really when I looked at potentially moving on um, and following through on what I talked about in 2010, that I wanted to come here, uh, do as much as I could possibly do and get it signed into law and then come home, uh, this looked like the next two years was a great opportunity to do that, but then I'm excited to get back to the ranch and get back to South Dakota and and uh, doing what I love. I think I can still contribute to the state, and I'm excited about the opportunities we have in front of us. The perspective that I've gained, you know, spending my entire life uh, on a farm and ranch and actively uh, participating in that industry, then serving in the state legislature, um, working with legislators to get good state law, and now being in D.C. and seeing how that federal money flows back to the state of South Dakota, it's a very unique perspective that I think would be very helpful in the role as governor. So, I just don't think there'll be another candidate that can hit the ground with that kind of experience ready to do what we can to put South Dakota into that new level of prosperity and innovation. Looking at the Ways and Means Committee, what are your specific goals for tax reform for agriculture beyond the death tax? Because it looks as though there'll be give and take here, and I'm not sure how give and take will work with the agriculture industry. Well, the agriculture industry has been very involved in our tax reform discussions. Um, and also the Senate is working on a proposal. I know the White House is as well, but we're looking for lower rates for everybody. We're looking at ways that we can have less of a burden of tax dollars on things that we export uh, and then not necessarily let everything that we import come in with no um, no impact as well. Right now, when we import Brazilian beef or commodities from overseas, they're coming in with no tax. Uh, on it, and so we're looking at a way to equalize uh, that kind of um, situation so we don't favor uh, commodities from other countries more than we do our own. So we want to level the playing field and let producers keep more dollars in their pockets so they can reinvest in their operations, maybe pass it on to the next generation in a manner that allows people to stay there on the land producing for the next generation. And so those are all things that the ag industry and I have been talking about as we go through this tax reform process. There's been conversation that we might lose cash accounting, lose some expensing, lose depreciation. Again, the give and take. I'm not sure that agriculture has much to give without putting itself in a negative light with regard to to reporting to Washington and the IRS. 
Boy, I haven't heard those discussions in my committee. Um, we're going to keep cash accounting. Um, interest deduction is still very important to us. Uh, expensing is still important. We're having discussions on all of those and the importance and what they mean to the agriculture industry. So maybe maybe those are proposals coming out of uh, somewhere else, but, but they're not proposals that um, that I think are, at the end of the day, going to be eliminated. We're going to we're going to keep it a very simplified code. We're going to reform the IRS so they're much more accountable to the taxpayers. Uh, we're going to make sure that we leave provisions in place that incentivize reinvestment, owning your own home, and uh, charitable giving. Um, but but we do want to simplify this and lower rates. But but we recognize those tools that allow producers to to function uh, are critically important. Healthcare reform uh, was approved in your chamber. How important was health care reform to tax reform? Well, very important. Uh, it was. It's First of all, we need to do health care reform because Obamacare is failing. We have states where there are simply no policies available on the exchanges that were created by Obamacare. That means the next step in those five states today would be a single-payer system, which is government-run health care. So when we start this conversation, we need to remind everybody that the system we have today that was built by President Obama is failing people each and every day. So we needed reforms, and we passed a bill that put control back in people's hands that, that gave them tax credits to go out and shop for their plans rather than subsidizing an insurance company and put a transition period in place so that for the next several years, nobody will lose their Medicaid funding, nobody will lose their policies that they're on today so that we have time for the markets to develop new policies that would work better for them and their families. But the other thing that we do in that bill is we repeal all the mandates and penalties for people uh, that were included. So there's no more penalties for not buying health insurance. Employers aren't penalized for not being able to cover uh, uh, employees or, or punishments coming into the federal government. And also, we repeal a trillion dollars worth of taxes that were imposed uh, because of Obamacare. When we repeal that trillion dollars worth of taxes, that makes it that much easier for us to do tax reform then as well, uh, because that gets us a step closer to lowering rates even further, making sure that we can do this in a in a manner that doesn't blow a hole in the federal budget into the future that allows us to have the kind of economic growth that we need to see. Not many legislative days left in this calendar year. What is the hope for tax reform to be accomplished this year? Oh, we're still planning on it. We really, truly believe that tax reform needs to move in this calendar year. You know, the problem we run into is the timeline over in the Senate. They're tied up with appointments and and other business, um, and they've got health care to do as well. We're looking forward to seeing their health care proposal. We're looking forward to seeing their tax reform proposal. Uh, you know, we're not an island unto our own. We were already pretty far down this road in the House, but, but we need a partner in the Senate, and they're working hard to get there too. Finally, in our conversation with reference to trade, now the whole Trump t- trade team is together, including a Secretary of Agriculture. Where would your targets be, and what are your hopes? Well, I know that they're currently looking at NAFTA to see what we can do to fix some problems that we've had in that agreement, specifically what I've pointed out to the Secretary of Agriculture and to our U.S. Trade Representative is the dairy policy, um, and we, that needs to be looked at. But beyond that, I encouraged the Secretary of Treasury yesterday in a hearing that we had at Ways and Means that we really need to be aggressive in going after trade agreements because other countries are currently trying to lock up those markets for their own benefit. Uh, if we don't go after the Asia-Pacific region 
as soon as possible, other people will be filling the needs that those countries have. And so I've encouraged them to to go after that, um, negotiate new agreements, but don't think that we can sit here for three years on our hands and do it later. There's other countries that have commodities, have beef, have pork. They want to sell into those countries. Um, We need to make sure we secure that market for the United States before that happens. Congresswoman Nome, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Our thanks to South Dakota U.S. Representative Christy Nome, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Bees play a vital role in our agriculture system and are an important contributor to the beauty and productivity of our urban landscapes and gardens. Since bees help to pollinate much of the healthy foods that we eat, they're important to our food supply and to our lives. That's why the Bayer Bee Care Program has been working for the care and protection of honeybee health for nearly 30 years. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.